I'm gonna shortcut my argument by speaking, but it's funny that uh, it, this feels as a sangha, especially because people are comfortable being silent in, in front of each other and just looking. Hey Gilbert, how's it going? Hey Sam, it's going well. It's going quite well. Now, uh, Rodrigo, I just caught caught the end of it. it. So it sounds like you know you're saying people here are comfortable here are staring into each other's eyes silently. Yeah. How's it going, everybody? Good. Thanks. So um, I actually have a question, I guess, to start it off, um, if, I, if I may. Uh, in most recently, in my, in my practice sessions, I started to notice like a feeling of uh, almost like tinnitus, uh, like me in my ears. And uh, I don't think that I'm developing tinnitus because the feeling goes away when I stop practicing. So, and it's interesting in the sense that it feels like it um, almost like grows in intensity. Uh, the more focused I become on the meditative object, my breath, uh, if I uh, kind of like lose sensation and uh, focus on the, the sound itself, then it actually kind of lowers the intensity. And so uh, since I'm only, I guess, approximately in stage four, according to Ted in the last session, um, I don't know if this is like a, a, an example of like pacifying senses or not, or like well, how would you classify uh, this phenomenon? Um, it, it sounds like it sounds like the inner sound to me because you said you don't hear it when you're not meditating, right? I mean, there's like a very occasional circumstances like in my daily life where I have like you know a sound of like ringing my ears spontaneously, but like nothing like as consistent as because it is it is a, it is a growing sound of tinnitus which eventually which kind of like grows in intensity if, if I if I focus better, which is interesting to me, yeah. It's, it's, and it's like it's like a definite tone. It doesn't vary in sound, yeah. Is it like pleasant or unpleasant? Neutral. I I could ignore it. It's it doesn't it doesn't really like like drown out everything around me. Like I, I'm still able to hear like background sounds over it, but it's just like it is present at the same time as like other background sounds. I I would imagine, my understanding is that it. It should be seen which drowns out outside sound, right? To help me like focus better if, I'm, if I understand like, you know, when I write correctly, but it doesn't really seem to be the case. It's just a sound which is present consistently. And it's happened like maybe two or three times. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's interesting. Um, Michael was talking about um, some similar pacification stuff last week. And it normally doesn't happen until later, but um, I don't think it's unheard of for uh, the pacification stuff to start in stage four. It's just not very common. Sure. So. 
I mean, yeah, there's no, um, go ahead, sorry. Eventually that sound um, will like drown out other stuff. So um, <clears throat> it basically, uh, <laughs> it's like your mind getting on board, you know, like your auditory sub mind sort of participating in the process in a way. Yeah, it's frequently a case when I um, when I'm meditating, I have music just playing in my head or like interrupting like my meditation session, and it's very annoying because I can't stop it sometimes. So I, I guess this is nice. It's better than than hearing music. So yeah, I, I just thought that was interesting because I I agree. Like I I felt that the castication senses type thing would be the thing which would happen like more advanced along the along the stages. So I was just surprised because this is really what's happening. Yeah. David, uh, does the music you hear is like an, an earworm that keeps playing your yeah. head? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a huge music fan, and sometimes it'll just be like a specific like song loop or like a piece of the song which like keeps playing over and over and over again in my head, or like an instrumental piece, and I just like can't stop it sometimes. Yeah, so yeah I, I have. Guess, yeah. Sorry, go on. I have the, the exact same thing for the last, I don't know, two months, and I've learned to ignore it, but yeah, sometimes it, it's annoying, especially because it's the same song over and over and over. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I think that one thing I've learned from reading, um, I forget what chapter it was, maybe it's like for stage five in Mind Illuminated, is that one of the things he recommends um, is kind of like expanding your focus of awareness to uh, encompass your entire body, if you can. Because like when you like just have the physical sensations of your body, uh, just trying to like keep that sensation in your head, kind of like I guess like crowds out other feelings. And I think he he makes that he he says that in reference to like like dullness, I think. But I feel like if you're just trying to just crowd out your awareness as much as possible, that might help as well for music. But to be honest, actually, um, I haven't really had it happen that recently. It, I have had definitely happened in the past. So, so yeah. yeah. Yeah, so I, I can jump in a little bit because I've had that quite a lot, especially like it really annoyed me when I was in like stage six. It was, I was like, ah, oh, subtle distraction. But um, what I don't know, it never really worked for me to like try to crowd it out, but it might work for you. What, what really worked for me was sort of like try to sense like uh, if there are any subtle emotions there. And uh, there, there's one other trick that someone mentioned to me, uh, which I try for other things, but not for this, but it's like, if you're hearing that song, try to see um, who is um, like who is listening to that song and where that I is, like where you are listening to that. And um, sometimes that sort of just dissolves, like you, you might be able to have a physical sensation that corresponds to the I. And once that eye sort of dissolves, the, the song might also just sort of go away. Like, I don't know. So for me, it never worked like forcefully to like get rid of it. And, uh, but I don't know, maybe, maybe other people will have more success with that. Yeah, I've, I've kind of given up of getting rid of it because I've tried, I've tried paying, paying attention to it. I've tried ignoring it. I've tried, I think, uh, I don't know, thinking of, about a different song, and 
it never works, so I just learn to ignore it. It, 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 it is not a problem for me because uh, I'm not uh, stage six yet, but it just plays in the background, so not really. Um, I had that for about three years, and it finally did just on its own go away. So. Yeah, that 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 makes me hopeful. Three yeah. years of something in my head, and it was never music I liked. That I cannot understand why it couldn't be something that I liked at least. Uh, one other thing I've also noticed recently in my meditation sessions is that um, when I sit down for about an hour period, uh, some the some first part of that meditation session is like almost totally lost to like dullness. I feel like, like I definitely have sensations of like leaning forward and coming back up, and maybe like I want I actually don't track the time, so I don't know this is a total guesstimate, but 20 to 30 minutes after that period of like intense dullness, then I have like pretty good mindfulness when like I can actually like focus for you know, the rest of the session, whatever, 30 or 40 minutes, I'm sitting down. And so I'm wondering, like, I actually, in the last session, I'm thinking if I drank coffee before sitting down, and I still experienced like this pretty intense illness at, at first. So I don't know, is, is this something that I can like, is this, is this a product of like me not getting enough sleep, or is this something that maybe I can uh, somehow work through, so like increasing awareness, so I just like catch it earlier. I know that like last time we talked about uh, subtle dullness, but it's just strange that I, I almost, I can recognize that I'm out of it, but there's like a definite period where I just like don't even like, you know, feel like mindfulness for, it's just like blank in my head. Personally, I, I don't know. I think Sam said something about this uh, last week about uh, dullness being indication of something else. But for me, well, first the, the coffee thing, uh, I've tried that, that and Ted himself said that Chuladasa doesn't encourage using coffee to, to fight dullness because you, you don't yeah. learn to, to deal with it. Uh, but yeah, I have the same experience. In, in the beginning, my, my session, dullness usually sets in. And I, I've noticed that sometimes that relates to sleep, but sometimes it's, it's part of the, the, the session. And as soon as I get up, I'm not sleepy anymore. So, yeah. Gilbert has something to say. Well, and it's it's important not to see that the experience of dullness uh, means that you're doing something wrong in your practice, because um, there are periods there where you're clearly sort of deepening your practice, and then it like pretty heavy dullness comes up, and then you kind of just gotta sit with it, apply the antidotes. Um, and it could sort of start to break up. Um, and actually one thing that sometimes happens, of course, is as it breaks up, it opens up a little bit, uh, you jump, jump into kind of like a purification. Because and that, that is a tip, uh, particularly as you're going, um, you know, whether it's stage four or even sort of uh, beyond stage four, where, um, you know, you're constantly working with sort of the energy level of the mind. But one thing that the mind does, it'll try to like downregulate a little bit because it wants to avoid something. It wants to not experience something. Something's kind of coming up and, you know, the mind's like, oh, kind of shut down. So 
so yeah just because you're experiencing dullness like does not you know does like don't evaluate your practice because of the experience of dullness but just the big thing is know that you're experiencing dullness apply the antidotes i, I mean i don't really feel like any like strong emotional way about having experienced dullness i just recognize that like whoa like um you know, compared to how I feel in this present moment, which is a very mindful, like, like there's a, a period that I just went through when I wasn't really mindful and I don't really know what happened during that period. I just know that like I'm out of it at that point and that previous to that, I was at somehow at some level of build up. So I just think it's interesting that, you know, it's, it's, I, I am sitting down and meditating, quote unquote, but I just, it's just interesting that, like how I, I could be like so lost for that period. Yeah. Yeah. So. And, and, you can see how, you know, so it sounds like right there, that's like, uh, you know, progressive uh, gross dullness, right? Where you you can kind of, you start, it's coming on and then all of a sudden you're like, wait a minute, like I'm really losing mindfulness and now I'm like kind of mind wandering and I'm like, okay, hold bring, and then maybe in the Zen lurch, it's like, okay, okay, yeah. it up a little bit. I think it's interesting that you make it sound almost like a defense mechanism or something where my mind doesn't want to, like do the work so instead it just goes to sleep uh, with the purification thing i haven't considered that yeah i mean it's um so what it's it's it like what, what we're trying to do is to be more awake to be more yeah. present and more but there are reasons why like that the mind is not naturally this awake present and in part it's because it's got all this defilements and stuff and it just want it's and it's, and it's kind of stupid right like it just wants more pleasure in what it in pleasure in these like you know extreme ways but then it doesn't it doesn't realize that sometimes it doesn't really want that right that there's uh sometimes the the pleasure is like too much and so it kind of uh it down regulates there's a lot of uh what the mind does it's like either distraction or dullness is like how the mind kind of copes with you know, just all of the, the craving, all of the aversion and the delusion. So, yeah, but, you know, in, in the practice in TMI, you're just kind of, you're working through the steps. And as you're working through the steps, you are building up foundational skills, which does start, even from the very beginning, kind of start kind of transforming and changing the way the mind works. Um, and one of those things is like, okay, let me, let me learn how to operate at a higher level of just alertness and, and presentness. Yeah, and sometimes I feel like uh, the practice, especially, especially in stage four, you, you are really learning to, to walk a, a fine line and you have distractions on one side and dullness on the other. And you feel tap outside the line on, on one side, you get distracted, and then you try to go back to the other side, and then you get dullness, and you start learning to walk straighter. And, and yeah, I, I've learned to, to, I don't know, to accept that part of practice, but it is what it is, yeah. Yeah, so because, and, and that balance kind of changes over time, and it gets kind of more subtler, subtler. But when you're first starting to practice, like, you know, too much energy level of the mind and like it's, it's racing, it's agitated and it's just all over the place. Uh, too little and it's just dullness, right? And then as you're going, you're like, okay, wait, we need um, energy level of the mind, but it's gotta be a relaxed energy, right? And so you're constantly, you know, navigating, you know, not 
and, and a lot of actually that navigating is like you notice when you're going um, too far to one direction, right? If you're going too far to the dullness, you're like, okay, wait, we got to bring up the energy level of the mind. If you're getting like agitated or um, racing, it's like, okay, wait, wait you got you to calm things down a little bit. Yes, that, that calm energy is the, the key. Does anyone have any other question? Comment? Well, I, I'm dealing with dullness too, but it tends to come up late in the session for me. I'll be pretty stable and clear early on, and then in the last 15 or 20 minutes, I'll really have a struggle with dullness. And that's an hour-long session, like David said. Uh, I'm wrong stage. Five, are you? Yeah, I'm working on stage five. So I've been having, uh, I've been working with this um, balance between energy and dullness um, a bit lately. Some of my sits are very much almost exclusively that. And I think I, maybe a little bit, more on the too much energy side but where i try to kind of relax into it but then can sometimes overshoot and get the dullness and um and i've noticed that it can be a little bit of a game because i feel like i can kind of put myself in a place where the energy kind of settles or I can do things that ramp up the energy, but that it's, I kind of started noticing that it was just gonna be a um, constant fidgety game if I tried to keep um, intention, consciously, intentionally, you know, trying to aim for that right spot. And um, then it was like, oh, um, there's craving in there and um and lack of equanimity and that by just working on the equanimity the rest seemed to naturally balance out a lot better it doesn't mean that it's still possible to go one direction or the other but it doesn't become a game anyway or something like that. I don't know if that's one thing to consider that there's something outside of the dullness energetic balance that might be helpful. Well, I, I think it, it's, it just gets subtler, right? Like um, when you start off, it doesn't feel like a game at all. <laughs> like, because you're like, you, you're, you might be dealing with dullness, so much dullness all the time, right? And yeah. so then you're like, okay. And then it's kind of that, that balance starts to come, you know, where you're going from the extremes, uh, you know, maybe stage, more like stage five, I would think, stage five, six, like yeah. you're, you know, you're kind of, but then as you get further and further, um, another thing actually, then you, you, you kind of just more notice and then the power is in the noticing, mm -hmm. um, yeah. you, you know, you 
if the more that you just notice what's going on and if you notice, oh yeah, I'm getting race, you know, I'm kind of getting racy and energetic and, and it, you relax with it and then things just start to drop, right? Mm -hmm. And the same thing if there's, same thing actually with a dullness. If you're like getting the dullness, you're like, oh, okay, you notice the dullness and then there's, there's ways that you can kind of let go of that. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's kind of the same thing, but it's, it's just that um, because things get subtler, it could sound almost like completely different. And maybe it is, but I don't know, maybe it's not. Like, I think it is just, it just, uh, um, I mean, there's a, there's a way that you don't really have control of your mind. <laughs> you know, Actually, yeah, that's, and um, with equanimity, the attempts to control it go away and you just left with the intentions. Yeah. And that simplifies things a little. But that's then, yeah. but that's more for like advanced, like, don't worry about like, yeah, you're not in control of your mind like too much if you're in the earlier yeah. stages, you know, because it's, it, it'll confuse people. Like, that's yeah, very, very good point. It's just that my attention is actually very much kind of almost like a stage three sometimes when it's like this too, but it's a strange, yeah. I, I see the point. Yeah, the overshooting thing, Carrie. Uh, sometimes I, I, I don't know if you guys have played that game of you have a, a rocket ship and you have uh, thrusters to side, the sides and up and down, and you have to stabilize the ship. And sometimes if you activate the thruster too, too much to one side, then the ship goes away. And mm -hmm. In the beginning, it feels as if you have to, to put too much effort to bring it to, to the middle. And as you progress, it gets subtler, as Gilbert said. And you have to just make micro adjustments. And sometimes you can see the ship wandering to one side. And then you make just knowing, yeah. sometimes just noting the, that it is wandering, it's enough to, to bring it to, to the right side. Yeah. But in some cases, I think. Uh, because he's experiencing dullness at the end of the session, maybe it's more of, of an efforting thing, because uh, for me, at least, it's very hard to, to keep my diligence and not be efforting. And mm -hmm. I, I notice that I can get tired. I don't know if, if that's your case, Tom, but uh, sometimes when I get dullness at the end of the session, I know, okay, I've, I've been probably efforting too much, or maybe I'm just I don't know, I'm just practicing at a level that is slightly higher than I'm capable right now. So mm -hmm. I don't know if, if that's their case or not. Could be. For me, it's uh, just being a little all over the place. Um, and yeah, and it, there, there's something related to efforting, but it's also craving, you know, where I think craving results in efforting, but it's so subtle because I can't even really feel the efforting. It's like the rocket boosters are there and turned on and there's nothing I can do about it. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah. Tom, you were gonna say something? Um, I, I thought that fatigue toward the end of the session might be what I was dealing with. And I mentioned that last week and Ted, said it could be 
but it could also be that, you know, you're coming to the end of your session and your mind is just saying, ah, we're almost done. I'm just going to relax and go to sleep. <laughs> so I don't know what it is. Yeah. Um, the diligence part to keep the, the whole session in diligence is right. tricky. Sometimes I notice that I have, I even uh, reduce the time of my session just so I, I can not stop it before, before the bell rings. Because sometimes if I get in, the, in that space, I, oh, this is almost over. I don't have to do much. Then the rest of my session is usually, ah, I can get up and go do something else. So I, I try to, to okay, I'll, I'll, I'll reduce my time, but I do it to the end. And at least in, in some cases that help, but some cases I, I feel like I'm being just lazy. And uh, I'm not sure also. Well, well, often, <laughs> sorry, go ahead. I was going to ask how often are you attempting to increase the time for your sits? Um, I, I recently tried to increase the time from an hour to like an hour and five minutes and an hour and 10 minutes. And I find that by gradually increasing the time that I am sitting, like it's difficult towards the end, but I guess that's where like that active battle of trying to like maintain awareness when you feel really restless is like where like a lot of like good work gets done, I guess. Yeah. I went from 45, 48 minutes, uh, three or four weeks ago to an hour and I've been at an hour for a couple of weeks now. And I'm feeling pretty good about that time length. It's just, yeah, I'm noticing more dullness toward the end of the session. I think I'm going to try to use Carrie's approach of working on equanimity to try and just let the dullness be there and uh, see what effect that has. Carrie, I think your uh, mic is needed. Uh, Gilbert, you were going to say something. Oh, Carrie, your mic is muted. Your 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 mic is muted. Oops, sorry. Um, yeah, I was just saying, when I do hit the dullness, I do kind of have to um, I do have to encounter the antidote. It's equanimity that prevents me from getting there in the first, or it prevents me from having to do the kind of exercise that relaxes me and pushes me in that direction that kind of settles the rocket boosters without taking me into dullness I guess is what the equanimity was doing um, but you still use the antidotes if I if I hit dullness um, I either apply the antidotes or stop the relaxation or the settling techniques that I do because of um, when there is dullness, it can, um, if it's progressive, I should say, um, it, it, it'll just, you know, keep going. Carrie, do you have an intention that you hold in your mind before you sit down to meditate? Sorry, what? Do you have like an intention that you hold in your mind when you sit down to meditate? Like for, for me, for example, I, I always, my intention when I sit down is like, maintain introspective awareness and, you know, pay attention to the sensations of the breath. I shorten that to like, you know, uh, introspective awareness 
breath yes. uh, during the session and, and whenever I uh, have periods of like high energy like how you're describing and I, and I recognize that and I bring myself back to you know focusing my breath I then repeat that like intention well, at that moment of like awareness is a way of like recentering myself kind of so um, it's, it's like a way of like reminding myself like what to be focusing on so that might be helpful. Tom, in your case, is it uh, progressive sort of dullness, or is it strong dullness already? Uh, <clears throat> it starts out as subtle, but it very quickly turns to strong dullness. And then I, you know, I wiggle my toes and wake myself back up, and uh, it just keeps going up and down, you know. But are you able to detect when it, it, it's still subtle? Sometimes, or, and I try to correct for it when it's still subtle, but I don't always catch it. Well, dullness at the end, end of a sit, particularly if you've just increased the sit, right, a couple weeks ago, that's very natural. Um, and even if actually you had a consistent pattern of, of, of getting dullness at the end of the sit, that, that's still um, fine. Like, uh, as, as, I mean, as long as you're, 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 you know, you're diligently practicing, you're not doing what Ted said, which most likely you're not. Um, and yeah, most likely you're not. And so, you know, that there's many reasons you kind of get tired at the end of the sit. And actually like that, that's, that for many uh, long periods of your practice, actually that can be good that you kind of got tired at the end of the sit because like, yeah, no, you were, you know, diligently applying yourself. There is point, right, as, as particularly as you're getting to at least trying to get to like stage seven to start trying to like, you know, drop the effort, then, then yeah, you, you kind of also want to be not over-efforting. Um, but and yeah, like another cause for dullness is just, um, well, it's kind of a purification actually, right? Um, stuff kind of coming up, particularly, I think, you know, another stage seven type thing where, um, you know, deeper levels that didn't, deeper levels of, of material that didn't kind of get purified. And as you're kind of dealing with all the, you know, uh, strange emotions or strange energy currents and things like that, like there's, you know, you can easily get a reaction of uh, a dullness, right? Because dullness and um, aversion are, are very closely linked. <laughs> yeah, I don't yeah. want to deal with this. I'm going to sleep. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. Thanks, Gilbert. Tom, do you ever try uh, meditating while standing up or any of the other things that Kuladasa mentioned as far as uh, like uh, I had a pretty good walking practice going a month or so ago, and I've uh, let that lapse. I need to get that going again. Thank you for reminding me of that. I, I tried that once myself, and I lasted like maybe five, five, seven minutes as far as like I can't do that anymore, and I sat back down again. Yeah, it was a very strange feeling, standing up with my eyes closed trying to meditate. Well, I, I usually do walking. I haven't tried standing very much. I, I watched the Zhang Zhuang uh, video on YouTube, you know, the standing meditation, the Chinese thing. I, I tried that one time and didn't really feel like it was very productive for me. So I haven't done it again. 
I have a general question for you guys. How often do you try to maintain like meditative practice in your daily life? And do you feel as though like just trying to be as mindful as possible, like off the cushion, like contributes to like progress when you're actually uh, like focusing or doing like a, a dedicated sit? Like I try when I go through my day at my job, when I ever have, a, have like off moments, I try to remind myself to like uh, focus my breath because I, I from, from like what I've listened to, like uh, in, in various interviews and stuff with like these meditative guru guys, like they, they recommend trying to like keep that feeling of, you know, mindfulness awareness going as much as possible throughout the day. Cause it's not just like just during your sit, right? I found that it was kind of hard to sustain a conscious deliberate intention. Um, when I actually was experimenting with that, but I found that doing the mindful review, um, particularly in the evening, do it really kind of sitting with it, um, kind of just reinforced all the intentions that are most relevant to whatever happened that day in a very positive way so that I could actually start watching new intentions kind of at play in everyday life um, quite quickly. And just the popping up into my mind, you know, spontaneously, or as I feel like I'm trying to get enough done in the day that trying to force it wasn't working, but to, you know, spend the time reflecting just kind of set me up to do it a little more naturally if that makes any sense i i would recommend yeah trying to practice in the background when it's easy whenever you find a moment and and like don't don't bring the same intensity of practice you know because it's it's hard i mean unless you can you know you have enough space most of the time you don't and and it could be too much pressure but um, as you're walking from, you know, maybe your car, even to, you know, getting to the store or whatever, or even as you're driving or something, um, or washing dishes or, or, or something, right? Something that's, it's, it's pretty easy. You could do like a basic, just try to be aware of the breath a little bit or be aware of the sensation. Just, yeah, I, I personally found that super helpful. Um, and also just calming and kind of relaxing and, and, and yeah. And, and I think, I think that um, by itself, I mean, if you get in the habit of that, that seems to be very beneficial. Um, and one other thing related to that, being aware of the breath or also just like being aware of the body kind of, cause that's, we, we can easily get so caught up in our heads and, and thoughts and like disconnected yeah. with our body. So that's one thing about being aware of the breath, your breath is part of your body, you know, being aware of, yeah. So um, you know, I, 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 yeah, it's, it's very recommended. Uh, Chuladasa recommends it. Um, it's definitely in the book. And so, yeah, do what you do. I, I literally do a, do noting, like whenever I have a thought, I say the word thought as I'm walking around to just try and like, you know, have helpful thought pass away faster. And then, uh, I then focus on my breath as well. Whenever I'm like walking to like get coffee or like, you know, like, like as you mentioned, to like a store or something, uh, almost like meditation light. Because I just figure that, like, you know, the more time under that, like, you know, mindset, the, the faster it would help me, you know, progress from actually sitting on the cushion, I guess. 
Yeah, the the being aware of the body that Gilbert said, I think it really works for me. Uh, I've been listening to an audio book by Judith. I have it here, Judith. Judith Blackstone, Realization Process, and she has she was a dancer and she had some problems, and she developed a lot of, of exercises for awareness of the body and the energies in the body. I find it really helpful to to connect to, to the awareness of the body during the day. And uh, because sometimes, even the walking meditation that Tom was, was talking about, I, I, I've, done that, I've done that a lot, but with a different technique. And sometimes I, I miss the, the feeling of, of paying attention to my foot on the ground. And it's, it's really helpful. So during the day, sometimes you, you are on the line or you are walking somewhere and you can just pay attention to the feeling of the foot on the ground and the micro adjustments your body do. It's, this, it's really helpful. And one thing I'll say about the noting um, is that, I mean, if you're gonna practice noting, try to do it in a soft way. Um, like, because what's easy, we kind of can tend to and easily be very rigid in our minds. There can be, um, you know, a lot of craving in there, a lot of aversion. So whenever there's contact, you know, of, of with the sense object, there's so much craving and aversion with it. Um, and so when you're noting, like it's so easy, just, um, you know, particularly as you're starting out, just to be kind of harsh in it. And people actually don't really realize how, harsh uh or how much kind of aversion there is in their baseline kind of contact with with different sensory objects and so like people can be concentrating and and you know particularly i, I see it a little bit more and it sounds like it seems like it's more with with noting and stuff and there's just that harshness um and meanwhile with with shamatha and actually you know more shamatha I, I, than um then less like strict concentration because concentration again like that could have those connotations of a harshness um and really what you also want to be developing is a softness um i think meta is really great for developing that softness or even being aware of the body tends to you know tends to develop that softness um because you you know you start noticing kind of tensions and stuff and kind of relaxing the body helps to relax the mind um so that's just one of those things because I, I always like to say um, when people talk about like noting and you can do noting in a very soft way in a very, um, I like how Shinzen describes it. I think he uh, like, you know, you try to, whatever you note, you uh, try to kind of sink in to it, sink into the object. Um, and there's like a little bit, try to have like a little pause around it. Um, and so there's that equanimity component. Um, and, and that's, you know, that's different. Um, then, like I said, you try to note with a harsh, like, and like, keep on noting. And then maybe if I noted, it goes away. Um, can, can, I would like you to elaborate a little bit on that more. So like when, when I, uh, when I do noting, uh, I, initially what I did was I would just say the word thought, uh, in my head, whenever I would have a thought or notice that, uh, with the intention of just like helping that experience just pass away. Um, I, I never really got into things like labeling because I, I didn't want to get too distracted by that. Uh, it sounds like from what you're saying, it's more about like the emotional context behind the noting. Like, 
if you say, if you use noting like bury down, you know, a potential like purification or something coming up to make it go away because you don't want to deal with it or like if you, or like you're too busy, just like just forcing yourself to focus on your breath. Is, is that like in the context that you're talking about? Well, and I, I, I apologize that I wasn't directly speaking to exactly your situation. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, I was, because I didn't, I didn't listen enough to what you were talking about, right? That, okay. Um, but, but some people, it, it was kind of maybe a direction you could be thinking about, but some people rec you recommend, oh, intense, almost 24-7 noting. Right. Yeah, I, I've heard that. I've heard that. Yeah. And, and, and it's supposed to help you enter like stream entry faster or something if you like, because it helps you realize like who is the person, you know, thinking if you if you just, you know, constantly like know all your thoughts away or something. Right. Yeah. yeah and it, it, well, that's, that's what they say. But of course, it also yeah. comes with it like a whole bunch of, you know, chaotic stuff because you're, 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 you're trying to use this one tool and you'd like almost, um, if you power up this one, one tool and you keep on, and it becomes like almost can become like a sledgehammer or something like that. Sure. Um, and yeah. I, I heard it very emotionally destabilizing apparently if you just. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And I think there is a component to noting that sometimes may lead to that harshness that you can know, notice something with a certain type of aversion as if you, you didn't want it to be there. So sure. at the same time, you notice it you, and you label it or whatever, and you kind of push it away. And I think that that, that movement of noting and pushing it away can create that, that kind of tension yeah. because especially if, if things start going faster, that tension uh, starts to build up and it can lead to that, that harshness that Gilbert is talking about. Yeah, but it means... Go sorry. sorry. No, I, I just Kevin made made a movement. He seemed to have something to say. Yeah, I just wanted to jump in. Something that I actually worked on a little bit this week and a bit last week was like the whole off the cushion. I've tried to maintain general awareness and and all of that constantly, and that can be a challenge. But what I started doing that kind of was kind of cool this week was connecting aversion triggers during the day with the Lester Levinson exercise and practice that Ted mentioned last week. So I kind of resolved in my mind, okay, I may not be able to maintain constant awareness and all this, but let me at least try and recognize when I'm really triggered, when aversion, when someone's really pissing me the heck off and work with that. And you know, I don't know about you all, but that happens to me frequently enough during the day that it's kind of a cool practice. So like if, you know, you know, it's been happening to me all weeks. Like someone really is bugging me or some memory comes up that really bugs me. I resolved during the week that every time someone pissed me off or some memory came up that really pissed me off, I wasn't going to let it go. I was going to work love on it. And I was going to do that Lester Levinson practice that Ted talked about. And you know what? It's freaking awesome. You know, I mean... I would be dealing with people and normally I'd be all, ah, you know, and I would be causes and conditions. I'd start get the feedback loop. I'd be giving that energy back and causing more bad crap. And I'd be like, oh, wait, no, before I talk, before I react, work the love in there. And I may not be able to generate radiant, lovely love every time, but if I could just get back to a state of neutral, guess what? That's a heck of a lot better than old Kevin. You know what I'm saying? 
So for off the cushion, I set myself a ridiculously low standard. You know, at first I was trying to be like, oh, equanimous all the time. No, for me anyway, don't be aversive all the time. That's my, <laughs> that's my beginning baseline. And I don't know about you all, but it's been a really interesting week. Yeah, it's it's interesting, and it's as if the the version works as, as a reminder bell. Every time the bell rings, you okay. I have to be mindful, and you as you get into the habits, it starts happening automatically. And I think it, it it's a really good practice, also. Gilbert, you were going to say something. Uh, interrupted you. No, okay. Colin, is this your first time? It's my first time here, yeah. Hello, everyone. Hi, just, welcome. Hey. Just oh, being so quiet. You, you have Sorry? any questions about your practice or, you know, especially as no, a newcomer? No, not really. Um, I was just sort of uh, keeping my nose out of things, uh, observing the format, um, that sort of thing. But no, no pressing questions uh, on my mind at all, really. Welcome, Colin. Thank you. I have a question about uh, another practice I'm considering. Uh, what do you all know about pragmatic dharma and the teacher, the particular teacher I'm interested in is Vince Horn. Um, well, say, say, so you're interested, I mean, um, uh, say a little bit more about like your question, I guess, right? So okay. how best can we help you? How best can we yeah. help you in your <clears throat> questioning? Okay, so I'm working along here on my TMI practice and I really like TMI. I like the guidance and the structure and I'm feeling a little bit stuck on stage five and that may be premature. Maybe I just need to give it a year. <laughs> You know, I don't know how long, but um, I'm feeling a little stuck and I've been poking around on the internet and looking at different uh, teachers and practices and, you know, there are seem to be a whole lot of them, but this pragmatic dharma, it's a kind of a secularization of Buddhism that's... Uh, focused on this is a mental technology and all we have to do is follow the rules and, and do the practice and see the results. And so I'm hoping that I can get some help with working my way through the, the level of dullness I seem to be dealing with. It, it feels like there ought to be some mental maneuver I could do that would move me away from dullness and toward more vividness and clarity. Um, so I guess I'm, I'm wanting to explore, but I don't want to go down dead ends if somebody else knows that, uh, you know, this is uh, not really a good this won't be helpful to you, you know, and I know nobody can know that with certainty, but uh, there are some things out there 
some other organizations and teachers that, you know, I read about them and just immediately get the sense uh, this isn't going to be helpful. I don't want to pursue that. But I have a, a pretty good feeling about pragmatic Dharma and this one I'm interested in and just want to hear if anybody else has had any experience with it or knows anything about it. So I, I know he had a podcast. I think he's, he's still doing the podcast, um, Buddhist Geeks. I've listened to quite a bit of those episodes. And um, so he, and he's the facilitator of that, right? So he's talked to a lot of teachers um, and he's kind of um, pragmatic Dharma associated kind of with Daniel Ingram. And, and actually, I mean, I think he's probably, um, you know, everything I've seen, like he probably should be a good teacher. Um, okay. I've nothing, I've never seen any or heard anything like the, to, to think otherwise. Um, you know, he'll, he'll have his sort of perspective, but I mean, every teacher kind of has their own perspective and way of languaging things. And, um, yeah, I mean, and if you have like the time availability resources to work one-on-one -on -one with a teacher, I mean, that by itself is, is very beneficial. Um, yeah, just to receive that kind of that, that coaching. Um, and then the other thing you mentioned was the, you know, and because not wanting to get stuck and, um, you know, stage five and, um, you know, there are periods where like the, the practice can, can feel kind of dry. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's, that's, I don't know. I think that's the case that I mean, maybe everyone's experienced, but, um, I know I have, and, and I think just kind of keep, keeping going to what's worked for me, but I don't know what, what other people think or know. Yeah. So Tom, um, I mean, I mean, I'm going to ask a different question. Like, why do you think you're stuck? Like, um, you said you've been struggling with dullness, right? Is it subtle dullness or gross dullness? Because I feel like in stage five, you're mainly working with subtle dullness, right? Supposed to be, but uh, so early on in my sit, I'll feel, uh, I'll feel like I can do the stage five practice, and I can feel my. Uh, sense of the breath getting clearer and more vivid and then toward the end uh, I first it'll start out as subtle dullness and be progressive and then pretty quickly it'll be strong dullness and uh, so I'll keep checking in and trying to push it back and wake up and raise the energy and uh, it just gets to be a real struggle there toward the end. So when you say stage five practice, I assume you mean body scanning? Uh, body scanning. I, lately, I've just been intending to make the vividness of the breath increase. You know, just holding that intention. And I can see that happening earlier on in the practice, in, in the session. Um, and then also doing some body scanning. But I've been, lately, I've been emphasizing just trying to increase the clarity and vividness of the breath. But it's working. And it's early on. <laughs> in the yeah. yeah, no, but, and so as, as you increase the conscious power of the mind, right? Like it, you're using some kind of like muscles, right? And some effort, um, you know, and actually it's working and then it, you know, makes sense. And it's, it's Chodasa talks about it. He's talked about it in talks, like where you get tired afterwards like kind of as a result of that effort but then you still apply the antidotes and that 
again, um, is, is also part of building your, your, your muscles, so to speak. Yeah. So I just need to be patient and not get bored. Well, yeah, um, there, there's like, so yeah, like Gilbert said, it's definitely working if you're able to get more vividness. And so when the subtle progressive dullness comes up, are you able to detect that before it becomes strong, um, gross dullness? Sometimes, not always. Okay. So what you can try is like, um, like one possibility is just like the antidote is not strong enough. Like, I, I know there, it sounds frustrating that like, you just gotta sometimes apply them all. Like, I, I have like uh, chronic fatigue. So like, I've, I've had moments where I stood up and meditated, I clenched my muscles at the same time and opened my eyes. And sometimes it would not, like sometimes strong dullness would still hit me. But like this, you, you, sometimes you just gotta apply like, like if you're going into strong dullness, either you need more sleep or maybe your mind is getting tired or, um, or you might need to try a stronger antidote. I had some life issues this past week that I think are contributing. And once life calms back down, I think they'll, that'll be better. I just had the thought to sit for 40 minutes and then stand up and walk for 20 minutes. Would that be a reasonable way to approach it? Yeah, I think I so. Uh, I've, I've tried, I've had my, my, I don't know, six months long of dullness training and it was awful. And one of the things that may, might be happening to you that also happened to me is that once I, I reached stage five, it was such a relief because, oh, finally I'm, I'm out of that mass of distraction and dullness. And after a while, I, because of different reasons, I went back to dullness and to distraction, and it was frustrating. And when you say you, you feel stuck sometimes, it might be some frustration because you weren't getting, uh, at the end of the session, as you were getting in the beginning. And I think there, is, there are two things that you, you might uh, want to do. One is that, as Gilbert said, you were exercising those muscles and as you you increase your your mindfulness power you you can get longer and longer in the session without the dullness but on the other hand you can maybe try to make it to make it more efficient and uh, I, I don't know if you if you read ted's post on intention release uh, intention release observe yeah. and sometimes the the use of intention can be too hard and you, as if you were spending your energy too fast, and with the intention release, observe, you, you use a little bit, and then you observe, and you use a little bit more, and that might be enough to make it, you go through the whole session, so maybe try something like that. Try not to overuse your intention to, to keep it at the, the breath all the time, 100%, but maybe just relax a little bit, and intention, release, observe, then, then again. And the, I, I, I can't say much about the, the Vincent Hoare teaching because I've not experienced, I've, I've listened to his podcast also, but one of, one of the things that I've, uh, I've, I think I've saw him speaking about is about Ken Wilber and I particularly like Ken Wilber. So there's also that, I don't know if it makes any difference, but yeah. Thank you. Sure. 
Well, and in terms of anti-dullness postures, in some ways, I think standing meditation is, uh, I think, can be, can't, well, yeah, frequently or can, can be very, very strongly kind of anti-dullness. It, it can also be very, very unpleasant, um, you know, but that's kind of also part of it, too. Uh, <laughs> so... Yeah, but that's just something to kind of to throw out there. I mean, it does get more pleasant because you learn to drop the resistance to it. Mm. Um, and it, yeah, it, it does definitely require a certain level of alertness. Um, you might have to open your eyes, um, you know. Yeah, you I've might been have to opening open. my eyes. So yeah, so you don't, you don't, well. You. That helps. Well, that if you're standing too, right? Wouldn't want you to, you know, fall down. Oh, right. right? <laughs> yeah. This or happened to me once. I, uh, I was sitting through some dullness and I decided to stand up. But I didn't realize my left leg had kind of fallen asleep. So I was standing up with my eyes closed and about, at, I don't know, 45 degrees, I realized I was falling over. <laughs> so yeah, be careful with that. <laughs> eyes open for, uh, for standing up is probably a good plan. <laughs> Thank but you, yeah, Colin. With, with the standing up, like, I mean, I'll notice, particularly if there's dullness, um, you know, I, I can start feeling kind of sick or start heat or start sweating and stuff. It's like, wait a minute, why, you know, if I think about it, this shouldn't be happening. But those are also, of course, uh, you know, things that the body can do kind of uh, as like purification-y type stuff, particularly more stage seven. But, but yeah, as you're rising up from some levels of dullness, you can have like your body, you know, doing different things. Uh, but those do... Um, sort of mellow out and smooth out. Um, but yeah, I mean, that is in, in um, Tai Chi. Tai Chi, they talk about how the standing pose, particularly, um, you know, can be one of the most uh, powerful ways to, to raise the energy level of like, you know, the, the, the body-mind system. I want to look at this article you sent, Gilbert. I'll save that for later. Well, he just, yeah, just you keep on, you know, you keep on working against dullness. And it's, I, I think, and it seems over time, over time, I feel like you notice the benefits. And, you yeah. know, over time being months and years and maybe decades. <laughs> I mean, but I haven't, I haven't been practicing for decades. I've been practicing for years and it has gotten better, but I still have dullness that, uh, mm. you know, subtle goes to gross but you just it's just an opportunity to practice and the skills you're using applying the antidotes are incredibly useful skills in 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 life or just you know part of the overall training mm -hmm. okay thanks for all the good ideas and encouragement i'll keep working with it Uh, Gilbert, I actually have a question for you. Uh, you mentioned um, practicing potentially meta before. So I've actually tried doing um, a couple of meta sessions and I can't help shake the feeling that I'm doing it wrong because um, I try to, uh, I understand so I'm doing like the Quim Tranquil Wisdom Insight Meditation Practice from like Dante, I'm going to butcher his last name. But um, so, so the general format is, you know, 10 minutes of like, you know, positive intentions towards yourself, 20 minutes, 
or, or, or I guess the first third positive intentions for yourself, two, last two thirds positive intentions for someone else, the spiritual friend. I, I can understand the format, but where I get lost is um, maintaining that feeling of like positive, warm uh, energy because I, I seem to lack uh, the ability to tap into that warm, warm feeling. Like I, I, I imagine, um, you know, hugging someone, being hugged. I have a hard time remembering a happy enough memory to generate that positive emotion, sadly enough, I guess. Uh, but I, I am able to generate some, some spark by, by imagining the feeling of being hugged or hugging someone, and I try to maintain that feeling. But I I, um, I don't know. I, I have a hard time, like, feeling like I'm doing anything. Um, does, does I get to you or does anyone here uh, have any tips for... I guess meta practice more generally because I'm trying to do that as a compliment to my uh, TMI practice. I would uh, recommend picking up um, the Sharon Salzberg book on loving kindness. She has a lot of books. Which one did you? Uh, um, I think it's the Revolutionary. Let me double check real quick, and I'll I'll get back to you. But she yeah, does mention. Yeah, sure. is, do you know what I'm talking about? Which one I'm. No, I, I tried listening to some of her, her lectures on, um, on YouTube. Um, so she, def- she goes through exactly what you are mentioning and has lots of different exercises, which are, are different, different um, um, focuses, like some are on equanimity, some are on forgiveness, some are on just yeah. generating. And actually, one of the first exercises she has in the first chapter is um, kind of getting back in touch with what it's like to fe- have feelings of love because we're so, as a culture, like closed down on that in that area. So um, definitely recommend getting that, reading through the whole thing, and then you'll probably be going, like I am doing, you'll probably be going back to it after you read through the first time and like going through the exercise and picking out different different things. And, uh, and for right now, one of the exercises she recommended for someone who was trying to generate love for himself and he couldn't think of a person who was a, or he couldn't do it for himself. So he imagined like um, famous people or people that he admired sitting in a room and just wishing him good, goodwill and saying nice things to him. um, And that kind of helped him. So there's different ways to, to kind of like, I guess, trick your mind a little bit. I think someone sent the link. Yep. Tom, that's it. So I recommend that book, definitely. Well, the, the one thing that happens when you have the intention, like a kind of a conscious intention that you're gonna try to add or apply to a situa- situation or a person or something, um, you know, I want to be meta for this. Uh, what often, what will kind of arise, either it'll happen or there'll be, you'll meet whatever kind of blockage or, or, or the reasons that you feel like you can't be met, uh, you can't feel that sort of that love for that person, right? And if you're trying to be like examples, like you're trying to be loving to yourself, it's like, well, I don't deserve love or, you know, and, and most of the time it's not that sort of explicit, right? It's, it's implicit, um, but, but that is still very true. Like the, the meta brings up all of the reasons why you feel at least you can't be loving and kind. And then part of the practice is actually just working with what comes up and just trying to be just a little bit more accepting, kind, open, loving. 
Um, and so I love what Kevin was talking about. How's, you know, he was saying like when he have a version, he, he applies that same principle, but for him, it's like, you know, the standard is just to be a little bit more neutral. And so that's, that's that same basic thing, right? Because you're, think of it as a continuum and you're, that you're trying to move just a little bit more towards the, the, the neutral, if you're more version, or if you're at neutral, just a little bit more to kind compassion. And then there are so, lots of different little tricks and stuff. Um, you can use memory. You can sort of uh, intentionally sort of like imagine or fabricate sort of memories and, um, you know, like, uh, or you're not fabricating memory, but imagine, use imagination to, yeah. uh, to, to think about situations or people or objects or like, you know, puppies, if you love puppies and, you know, just the biggest thing is what you're, you're, you're trying to do is, yeah, not only move the scale, but also to get more and more familiar of what that feels, what that feels like when you, you know, you, you, you let go a little bit of that aversion, you move a little bit more towards the love and, um, you know, and that's a very, very pleasant feeling. And the more that you, uh, your mind, you know, like the, the greater, bigger mind, right, is able to, to be conscious of that, it learns from it, it learns from it. And then it's like, oh, wow, like it, it is, pleasurable i am i am dropping kind of this this poison and then of course it's more likely to do that in your uh you know just going going about your life um so yeah it's it's incredibly beneficial uh practice to do it and and to make it as a practice um you know because we uh there's a lot of kind of uh, that, that aversion or, or stuff that you're, you're trying, you're trying to, you have to counteract a lot of sort of conditioning um, to counteract, right. In order to be more open, accepting and loving and um, yeah. And of course, yeah, yeah that's enough. I, I'm definitely sold on the benefits of the practice. Like I, I, I feel like I should be incorporating it more in, into my life, but I guess it, what's been frustrating for me is just that, I don't know, like, like how how much the blockages are for myself, but I, I feel like I, the moment that I, I try to start doing it, I feel like I'm either faking it or like I, maybe I'm just too cynical or something, or just like I'm not like really do, doing it for real. And then I'm like, oh, that's not really happening. I can stop, and I just get frustrated. So yeah, and that, that's that that's that cynical. That that is right there is like the thing yeah. that gets in the way. That cynical, yeah. oh yeah, it's it's not real, it's not authentic. Forget this practice, yeah. right? Yeah, and it's exactly. just you're just trying to move. Like I said, remember that. Imagine that continuum. There's a version, and then there's like the neutral, and they're just moving it a little bit more. Just trying to be a little bit more kind. Um, uh, yeah. Hey, hey, David. Let me jump in real quick too, because I I noticed something myself. I was really surprised about two months ago. I sat down and, and really decided I was going to try to start to really do this meta thing. And what I did was I made three columns, easy, neutral, and hard. And I put a bunch of names in the easy column, the neutral column, and the hard column, you know? That was a couple of months ago, and I would off and on be doing this meta thing. And then I lost track of the list, right? And so then over this last couple of weeks when I've been doing this other thing off the cushion, I pulled up this, this I found this list again right? Like earlier this week, and I was really surprised because more than a few of the people that were in my hard column two months ago, when I really looked in my heart, they were like in the neutral. And a few of them were in the easy column. 
And what I realized was I really suck at maintaining continuity about where I'm at and where I've changed over time. We're all like this. We're always constantly changing and you lose track of where you were six months ago, a year ago. So I feel your frustration because I was feeling it too. And it's not like I'm any expert or anything. I'm not advanced or nothing. I'm just trying to find ways to help myself keep the faith. And what I really found was I need these little cheesy tricks to help me keep the faith. And so if you're frustrated, give it a shot do three columns and then like check in every now and then and see if any of those names have shifted. And you'll, I was surprised. And if I can do it, dude, like Nate, no, Nate, Nate knows me, man. We go back. He knows me. If I can shift stuff from the hard column to the medium column or the easy column, dude, you totally can too. I, I guarantee it, man. No, that's a great point. Um, it's very valid that the goalposts are always shifting as you're progressing. So it's good to have a, a reminder for um, where you're at to really appreciate how far you can belong. No, it's very good. Good. Hey, David. David. Um, sorry, sorry go, go ahead. Okay, I'll, I'll go first. Thanks. Um, one more thing is if you follow the twin method, um, what they suggest for people that can't do uh, their meta like easily, they suggest doing forgiveness meditation. And that's what um, they guide a lot of people through. They have like a, they have a free book on it and they, they also teach that method. And for, for me, it really worked. It, um, I didn't realize how hard I was on myself and that was one of my blockages. So yeah, that's, that's sort of, if you follow the twin method, that's what they suggest. I actually haven't even heard of that. That's, that's surprising. So it's somewhere on their site that they have the book or something. Yeah, they, they have they have yeah. a bunch of free material. Like I think everything except their book for like uh, the Patsa Nibbana is free. Like uh, yeah, all the like yeah, free PDFs and um, yeah, no, I'll definitely look into that. Okay, thank you. I just posted a link to the uh, page that describes the forgiveness. Uh, thank you, guys. Practice, and I I. Second, what Nate said, I found it useful too. Um, and I don't, now that I think about what I was going to say, I don't think I want to say it. <laughs> I was going to ask if you had uh, done meta on yourself, but you said you spend the first 10 minutes of your session doing yeah. that. So another thing that I found, have found useful is sending meta to my subminds and parts of my body. Uh, if if uh, if my leg is hurting or my arm is hurting, I'll send meta just to that part, or and then to all parts. Or uh, I get a real. Sometimes I get a strong reaction when I say to my subminds, "I love you guys," or uh, you know, uh, I just have the thought of sending meta to my subminds and that provokes a kind of a reaction within of, ooh, uh, I don't can know. You, can you elaborate on practically like what that means? Like my understanding of what you're saying is you maintain the, the feeling of positivity or, or you know, joyous intention. Well, really, I don't really get a strong feeling. Okay. Uh, for me, I work with intention, you know, I, it is my intention that my subminds be comfortable and happy and at peace. So you're repeating the phrases 
uh, in your head as like an inner monologue of while, while you're meditating, like, may my submind be happy or may my like be relieved from pain type, type deal or? Yeah, like that. Okay. And sometimes it's as simple as just uh, not even may anything, but just equanimity, peace, health, comfort, you know, just the qualities I want to intend for my subminds or my body or aspects of my life or other people or groups of people or whatever. Okay. Another thing that might be useful, um, because I can totally relate with the, the difficulty of generating the feeling, and sometimes, to me at least, repeating the, the words, they might work, but sometimes they, they, they feel like empty. So I sometimes try to imagine something more physical, like uh, I, I imagine I'm hugging someone I don't really like, and that action, that bodily action of trying to hug someone you don't really like, that for me generates a lot of, of aversion, and I, then I can notice, oh, okay, here are the, the aversions. And sometimes I do that even walking around, I see someone on the street, and I, I, I don't really like people in general, so I try to avoid them. But then I'm like, okay, I could go there and hug that person. And then I, I feel some kind of aversion, and with time that, that softens. And I think, as Gilbert was saying, it's a continuum. And as you soften the, the hardest things, you get to walk towards the, the, the more, I don't know, the more blissful feelings that I particularly don't, don't get yet. But yeah, I think it, it, you can, you don't, don't necessarily need to, to be focusing on, oh, I have to generate this feeling, otherwise it, it is fake. Uh, you can just work at whatever you can work right now. And that sometimes just, mean, just means uh, dealing with the aversion and the, I don't know, the fact that you dislike someone and you can move them from the hard to the neutral column. When the, Go ahead, sir. when the feeling of fakeness comes up, could you say, yeah, I know this feels fake, but I'm doing my best and I'm going to give myself credit for that? That's a good idea. I, I should try that. Um, I was dealing with... Uh, two decades of uh, clinical depression before I started seriously with meditation. And um, I think you, you may also want to avoid uh, having the expectation of huge sort of firework explosions of emotions because um, I've made huge progress in sort of emotional expression and um, that kind of area. But it's still very contextual. Like I've had weird sits where like I find deep and overwhelming love for my next door neighbor and stuff. But that's sort of weird, one-off things. Um, and sometimes, a lot of the time for, for me, even though I've made tons and tons and tons of progress on that, meta is just this very fine little tingly vibration. So, you know, it's, it, you shouldn't necessarily go looking for like this overwhelming feeling of true love. You know, th that stuff kind of comes out in the in my experience, at least, it comes out in the, in the interaction with actual people, you know, or situations. It's still where 
that emotion is going to jump out. Not necessarily like you say the words and all of a sudden you're like, oh, I feel love and I'm amazing and all that stuff. You know, that's kind of gets into the distraction territory. You know, it's not very, uh, very meditative, I guess. So, you know, it's, uh, if it's not that big, it's not that huge a deal. You know, the, the important stuff is um, at least the way I've found is, um, you know, how do your interactions shift? You know, you, you set the intention, then you see someone and maybe there's a tiny little movement with how you treat yourself at some point or, um, or how you act with someone else. But, you know, maybe don't, uh, don't go looking for huge stuff. The, the one technical thing I might suggest that works that worked for me is really slowing down if you're using the words. Because like with counting, you're counting and um, you start after a while it just becomes automatic. You're not even thinking, but your brain is still counting, right? So just really go like one word at a time, whatever your phrase is, and really slow down. And I'll even add pauses between each word and really see, and even see what physical sensations um, pop up. And then we can work with those physical sensations, just tiny little, little things that happen. I don't know. That worked for me. Yeah, it just occurred to me actually that, that wanting to feel those feelings of loving positivity can almost be like a form of craving in and of itself, I guess, because you just, you want those feelings so badly. Yeah. And you're like, yeah. oh, I'm not experiencing this right now, so this, this is not good. Yeah. yeah. And that, that kind of craving almost, like with everything, it kind of prevents you from having them and you sort of, when you don't yeah. want them, that's when they pop up, <laughs> right? <laughs> the annoying thing. They're only there when you don't want them. <laughs> and then yeah. you savor them and then they go away. Yeah. So, yeah, it takes yeah, time. But like I, I said, sorry, sorry. Yeah, like I said, I, I was dealing with clinical depression for for decades, and it it gets better. So, give yourself patience. Thank you. The wording also makes a difference for me, and I've noticed that most of the meta meditation are very long. And sometimes when I am in the middle of them, I just, I'm not paying attention to the what I was feeling in the beginning. So I personally try to, to shorten it and do something more simple like, oh, may you be free from, from suffering and may you be happy. That's it. So that for me at least, it's easier to maintain the, the relationship between the words and the feeling. Uh, so that can also help. No. Well, and Rodrigo, you probably know this, but I mean, I'll throw it out there, throw this out there because it happened that some person I was talking to another person who was having problem with meta, and then this actually does not applies to people who had problem with meta. But um, if by chance you speak more than one language, and you know the language you're learning meditation is like English, um, you know, do the meta in your mother tongue. Yeah, do it in your yeah. first language. Yeah, yeah. There is actually a study about that, that people that uh, think in a, in a second language, they usually think more rationally. And I think that has something to do with not, not being an effective language in the sense you, you didn't grow up with that language and the emotions. Yeah. So yeah, I can notice that. I, I try to do it in my, my native language, yeah. Because I, when I do it in English, it, it feels different. Yeah, but if your second language is, is Klingon, it doesn't help all that much either. <laughs> I actually have a practical question for you guys too. Um, 
So when I do the TMI meditation, I usually do it for like an hour for a session. And when I try to do the meta meditation, my, my intention is to just sit down for an hour and do meta. And I feel like it just occurred to me that trying to do it, even though I'm less familiar with, with that practice, trying to do it for that, that hour duration is probably turning me off from doing it, you know, consistently. So you guys, when you're, when you're doing an alternative practice, you don't practice as much. Like, do you set like lower standards? Like how, how, long would you would you set your sit for if you're doing meta and you're not like not as familiar with that so don't don't practice meta in an uncompassionate way <laughs> like oh you know like i'm gonna spend i'm gonna spend you know 24 hours i'm gonna fast as i'm practicing meta and i'm not gonna get any sleep and yeah it's gonna work and maybe you could like it actually potentially could but it also could like if, if it could you know there's too much craving, striving, aversion, and then you just have a bad experience with it and it just doesn't go anywhere, right? So, yeah, I mean, this is something you'll have to judge um, about, you know, how much meta practice like feels, you know, good. You don't wanna, you don't wanna do too much, right? Because if you do too much, you'll, you'll most, you'll very likely again, have a bad experience and then that'll be, um, add to aversion to the practice of meta yeah so david you were talking about off the cushion practice earlier and something i've enjoyed is combining meta and off the cushion or, or doing meta in off the cushion context so go to the grocery store and everyone i see i wish them to be happy and have a good day and uh, be free of suffering. And I get, sometimes I get strong feelings from that. Yeah. And that ties really nice with uh, what Colin said about improving the, the relationship and the actual day-to-day -day relationship. I think uh, maybe you could, I don't know, of course, you can also use meta during the, the formal session, but Maybe you can use meta as an off-the-cushion method. And also, sometimes, for me at least, meta can also help with uh, distraction and dullness. So sometimes I, I, I'm meditating and I, I can see that my, my session is not going anywhere. And I switch to meta and that helps also. So maybe do not try to do so much. I don't know. It's it's kind of a thing you have to experiment for yourself, but sure, I can definitely tell from listening to all of you that I feel like I'm putting it into this very clean clinical box, uh, and I probably shouldn't like try to make it so cut and dry. I, I guess I, I feel this way because I listen to so many like Bonte's lectures, and he makes it seem as though um, this he, he he puts in the framework of like a similar practice, almost the TMI, where you you can you know, sit down and, and for hours just doing meta practice is like a thing. And so I just, that, that's, that, that was my framework of, of like, I guess, initial understanding for it. So. Well, and eventually you, you can get there, right? But yeah. like, you don't start out there. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Thank you guys for all your suggestions. Uh, it's been really good. I'm going to drop off. Thank you all. I've enjoyed it. Yeah, thank you.
any any last burning questions or we'll probably actually at the end is it uh, an hour close to an hour and a half no no cool okay well i guess i'll i'll sign off but yeah it was good seeing everyone and uh you know well hopefully we'll have ted back and uh you know we'll, but we'll see you all i guess uh next next week all right i hope you guys have a good weekend all right take care bye everyone goodbye see you guys bye bye